Welcome to the Live Lucky Podcast, where we discuss the lucky strategies that bridge the gap between who you are and who you want to be. I'm your host, Blake Suzellis. Get ready to face the worst of yourself, shift your perspectives, deepen your love, and broaden your wisdom to live and lead others in a lucky life. Thanks for tuning back in to episode three of the Live Lucky podcast. So today we're going to be talking about control. Are you controlling? Do you feel like you're being controlled? What does controlling behavior communicate? So why are we talking about this? So last time we discussed how your definition of lucky, whether that's viewing luck as chance or as something you create, how that's tied to your level of hope and or how this creates limits in your life because you view it by chance. So, for example, if you look at your life uh, in the sense of I could never do that because I'm not that lucky, what are you doing? You're creating limits. And so if that is something that's interesting to you and you haven't heard our last episode, uh, go ahead and check that out. But today, we also just hit on briefly uh, the relationship last time of luck and hope and how that influences control. And so today, we're going to dive deeper into that aspect of control and uh, how it does tie back into your definition of luck. And from here on out, I'm just going to say your level of hope because really what that's what luck is communicating. Okay, so when you think about control... Uh, in the sense of hopefulness. If you feel hopeful, typically you feel like you have control of changing or influencing some kind of a, a positive outcome. Where when you feel hopeless, you feel as though you really don't have control of the situation, which is a lot, uh, a not a good, so good, good feeling for a lot of people, right? Um, so, if we kind of look at a couple different ways that uh, control is influenced by our hopefulness or ho- lack thereof, uh, I, I want to kind of walk through a couple examples of this because a lack of hope can really shut people down, right? Because there is a hopelessness, and we know that hopelessness is one of the primary uh, indicators of depression. And so it can take us on down that one end of the spectrum there to depression. So let's look at an example of this. So imagine being a person who moves to a new place for a spouse's work, you know, moved across the country or whatever that might be. You know, the spouse, you know, dives into their work because they want to be an asset to the company. And so in their mind, they are doing a great thing by just spending all of their time, energy, thoughts, thinking about how they can be an asset to this company to make it work. Now, the person, you being the person who moved for their work, of course you want to connect with them. And you try and you try different things, you know, but you're not getting the responses that you're you're wanting. And so you feel this lack of control to change that outcome. And eventually, you may even try the strategy of apathy and just not really caring and and recognizing, well, that still really doesn't work for you. And so that can even lead to that feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, again, leading to shutting down and ultimately 
to having depression or depressive symptoms. I mean, does this seem so far-fetched? And again, think about this in terms of, you know, what is your hope level? How do you view luck? And how this influences your feelings of control or not. Now let's look at this same situation in a different light. So say, for example, if you look at luck as something that you can create, you feel as though you have more control. So in situations where you may not like, uh, you're trying to get to a different outcome, it may actually amp you up to fight harder to, and maybe even overcompensate for feeling so out of control, which then can lead to the other end of the spectrum and feeling very anxious. And so again, let's, let's imagine the same person, same situation, and, uh, but they know, they, they have a strong hope that they have control of influencing a positive solution in some way. So what do they do? They try harder. This could be come across as, you know, smothering the other, their spouse with love, you know, whether that's, you know, physically or uh, with gifts or, you know, so many different ways you could do that. Or could even turn very critical and try to manipulate or control or demand a change, you know. And this, of course, because uh, of the spouse, he's thinking he's doing a great thing, Um you know, he doesn't understand what, where all of this anxiety and, you know, control type of behaviors are coming from. Um, and so over time, this person, both of their views might actually change. Uh, so for the person who is being more manipulative, controlling, demanding because they believe they can get to a different outcome, their view of luck and hope may end up shifting because over time, they get to this place of helplessness and hopelessness. And so instead of doing nothing, though, and just shutting down, they might file for a divorce, right? So, I mean, these are, you know, just two examples uh, of two different extremes, mainly not to show you about the, the particular scenarios, but just to recognize how uh, control can come out in terms of our level of hope. And it can lead to one end of the spectrum on depression and shutting down, or it could actually lead to the other end of the spectrum and really overcompensating for that feeling of out of control. Okay? So that is the point to take away here. Um, so your view of luck and hope influence your sense of control and how you behave. So it's, again, this is not a only, these are not the only scenarios to consider when you're thinking about control. There's too many factors, of course, right? Because if the spouse had connection with others, you know, that would play into their needs getting met. And, you know, so, so there's a lot of factors that play into real life that can't be boiled down in just to these two basic examples. But the point remains, control is influenced by your level of hope. Um, now, in the second scenario, the behavior was controlling. Why? Because they felt very out of control. And so they were trying to fight harder, overcompensate for that uh, feeling out of control, that kind of internal anxiety 
was then being kind of projected outside and, and around them and influencing the people around them with that anxiety. So what does controlling behavior communicate? You know, oftentimes it really comes down to feeling unsafe or some sense of a broken trust. And that usually looks like anxiety. And anxiety can manifest internally and externally, meaning like uh, I might have a stomach ache or headaches or tight shoulders or heart palpitations or numbness in my body. Um, but it can also manifest externally in, you know, I start um, cleaning, overcleaning, or focusing on something to help with calming down that anxiety in behaviors that I might no not normally do. Or we notice that, okay, I, you know, when I do clean or when I do go for a run, it does help my anxiety, so I'm going to bring it down, that I'm going to use that to bring my anxiety down. Again, these are not bad behaviors in any way, uh, but just we're trying to understand what the behaviors are communicating. Okay, so now when it comes to this feeling of unsafe or broken trust, I think it's also important to think about trauma. You know, according to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, one out of five women uh, have had a completed or attempted rape. I mean, that is a super high statistic. Now, another thing that people don't typically recognize is one out of four men experience contact sexual violence. Okay, and so this is not a gender thing. I mean, I, I don't want to bring that into it, but I'm just saying whether you are a man or woman, we can experience trauma, and that, that's the point I'm trying to make because what does that lead to? It leads to this feeling of never feeling safe, right? And so, again, how this plays into control, I might try to control all of the environment around me so that I can have that feeling of safety. And so, like I said, the anxiety that you see in other people might be communicating that, hey, I don't feel safe. I don't trust what's going on, so I'm going to try to control the people, the situations around me. Uh, and it really has nothing to do with the people around them, okay? Just recognizing, okay, the people who are dealing with the anxiety, uh, it, it's not for you to try to change their environment. That's something they've got to work on for themselves. Um, so two things to recognize here. Number one, for the person who's recognizing someone being anxious and not knowing why, just I'm inviting you into empathy for that person because they're probably having this sense of feeling unsafe or some type of a, a trust thing going on. Um, so these are just some ways, right? A fear of losing control can manifest as anxiety. So what does this controlling behavior communicate? Okay, just want to come back to that question. It could be a lot of things, right, as we've shared. You know, but if we really boil it down, there's often just a couple things that underlie it. Number one, it's some type of an unmet want or need or a way to feel safe due to some lack of trust. And so there's this controlling behavior that comes through. So let's go ahead and flip over then to, well, how does understanding control help you to lead 
lucky? Well, of course, it has everything to do with it, right? Uh, so I used to run a health food store for about a dozen years. And uh, one year, I was at a trade show, and Daniel Pink, uh, he's the author of the book Drive, he was there giving uh, a talk about three needs that all employees are looking for. And that's autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And the big one here that I want to just shine a light on is autonomy, right? Because that plays right into this feeling of control. And so just recognizing, first of all, that autonomy, mastery, and purpose really do influence any of your employees or, like I said, just whatever human beings you're leading, whether you're a father, a mother, you know, uh, a sister, a brother, whatever it might be, we are all leading somebody. So recognizing we all have some needs of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Um, and if you don't, if you've never heard of Daniel Pink and his book Drive, it is a really good one. It's been around for a while. You can probably find it pretty cheap. Um, so anyway, in closing, what is one thing you will take away from today's episode? You know, whether it's trying to understand yourself better or maybe it's trying to understand some, someone else and trying to have empathy for them. And what are you going to do with this information? Maybe as a leader, you want to really start understanding autonomy, mastery, and purpose better so that you can bring that into uh, the lives of the people you're leading. So in ending here, so the live lucky Living lucky, of course, like we said, is not living alone. And if this has share, helped you, please share it. Uh, and also connect with us and post a question on one of the, the social media's apps that we've got going on here. The links are in the notes. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. And I just really appreciate you being with me here today. And I do look forward to discussing more about living lucky next week. All right. Have a great week, guys. 